God's grace, his mercy, his peace are yours to our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God we look to comes to us in that gospel lesson where Jesus goes up to the temple to worship, and in the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. These are the words concerning Jesus. Now, we've been here in this, this worship space for a little while now, and, and maybe you can remember the day you first got to walk in to worship here live in person in, in June. And maybe you had all the sneak peeks. You drive up here to go to church in the other spot, and you could see the elevation of the of the roof, and, and you wondered how the finished surfaces would bring it all together. And it's a beautiful space, and again and again, as people come to funerals that have never been here before and have weddings being planned here, they say, wow, what a great place to worship God. Everything is kind of lined up. You thought of everything. It's just a, a beautiful space with a gathering area where people can talk and come early and stay late, where even during COVID we can socially space and comfortably worship here online. You can tune in. But imagine if, if all of a sudden over in this choir area or maybe along the edge of the worship space, when you came walking in, all of a sudden there were sheep and there were cows or bulls and then there were a bunch of cages with birds and doves in them. And, and instead of you coming and bringing your offerings freely, you had tables over there and we would exchange exchange money for a certain currency that was used for the temple and you had to always have a little bit of an upcharge because the church needed to be maintained. What would people think if all of a sudden over there in the choir area you during church heard a, a sheep just going ballistic because one of the lambs was taken away or, or birds that weren't so happy to be grabbed out of a cage and you're over here trying to worship and listening to a sermon? That's what Jesus actually faced when he came into this beautiful temple that had been constructed. It took 46 years to put this together. This was the later temple. The first one had been destroyed. It would take another 25 years to get it to complete. And, and Jesus came to worship with his disciples for the first time with them. And when he walked in, he saw all this going on. And, and understand that the temple was a little different than this. It was four courts. And the biggest court was the temple or the court of the Gentiles. And this wasn't just like a gathering area where they could come and congregate and talk about business for the day. That's actually where they worshiped. And, and so what had happened is, is that, that every single worshiper that came to worship at the temple had to bring a sacrifice. And, and you can understand why this would all of a sudden come to be that, that people would come not just from Jerusalem, but three times a year at the high festivals, people would come from the whole nation and beyond because this was the central church for a whole nation. So you can imagine the scale and scope of how many people were coming to worship and all those people descending on this place. And so it was busy and it was hopping, but you can also imagine that most times people got to church by walking. And if you were coming from the distant parts of Israel, you had to carry your sacrifice along, whether it was a lamb or whatever that you picked from your flock, depending on who you were and the level of income you had and whatever was prescribed by God and, and his regulations for worship. And then you had to feed this and, and take care of it the whole way as you're making your way along by foot, maybe in a group, maybe alone, maybe with your family, maybe not. 
And then you had to get to the temple and make sure you followed all the procedures so that you could fulfill. The, the thing that God wanted to do was to remind people that the cost of sin, it's pricey, it's going to cost. And, and that innocent blood, someone who didn't do what you have done that required this sacrifice was going to have to be the sacrifice. And innocent blood would be shed for the guilty and then God would be appeased. And so how did we get to the point now that this worship space had barn animals and money changers in? If that were to happen here, how quick would it be? You'd think, you're going to ruin the carpet. We can't worship with all that noise going on. And the sights and the smells are not to be like that. That's, that's for the farm, not, not for the church. <laughs> and so Jesus walked in and, and saw all this, and he was righteously angry frustrated this is god's house how could you but you can see how it how it comes to be really the way that you can maybe explain it is just is just convenience instead of it being so hard to bring an offering and so much work to to come and worship why don't we just skip all that we can raise flocks and then we'll just pick them and they'll be designated as for sacrifices and then we'll have them there and people could just bring a little money and a little upcharge and it saves them all the hassle. They can come and buy it right here and maybe even priests blessed it or whatever you want to say. This was the temple sacrifices. And you're, you're, you're keeping this whole tribe of Levi. You, you have to pay for all the people that serve and worship and you have to pay for all the professional singers and this was a big group of people and they did get the, the, some of the offerings given to them and stuff but we have to fund all this and this big space. So instead of you bringing offerings from your over and abundance, why don't you just come and you can just pay the temple tax and you bring currency from all over. We'll, we'll take care of that. It has to be a shekel. So we'll come and exchange it just for a little upcharge you can get done with your worship by paying a few extra coins, getting the right coin, handing it at the right place. Worship is done. Clean and simple. You don't have to do a whole lot. You can just show up, wash up, pay and pray and get out of there and get on with life. Do you see what's wrong there? Do you, do you sense it? This is what was going on with the worship at the temple where God had, had put all these regulations together for a purpose because he didn't want his people to lose focus and what had happened, they'd lost focus. So Jesus took some cords and made it into a whip and can you imagine him driving all these people out? The only one that really noticed what was going on here, there was supposed to be the smell of incense rising above as prayers going to God. There was supposed to be the sound of worshipers, whether it's silence and prayer or songs and praise, not the sound of animals. And he drives them out, flipping tables to make the point, how could you get out? This is my father's house. This is not a market. I can understand the people that were making a living doing that and providing a service, wondering what is going on here. But all those people that were selling, selling all the sacrifices and changing money, you know what they weren't thinking about? They weren't thinking about God. And they were allowing people that came to worship to not think much about God either because it was a to-do list that they just needed to get done. And you see how little involvement the heart had when you just do what you're supposed to do and then you go and live your life. So Jesus drove them out. But the bigger surprise is when he was approached 
by the leaders, the, the people that were in charge of the temple, and they were a bit outraged, saying, by whose authority do you do these things? They were the ones that should have known. Are we losing focus here? Is this a distraction? This temple here and this courtyard, which is supposed to be a beacon for all those to know this is the true God, this is the Gentile space, where those that were seeking the true God could come and worship him there. But it's the biggest space, so let's let the animals be there. And they say, how could you do this? Jesus had to set them straight. He had to say, you want proof of why I need to do this? We'll destroy this temple and I'll build it in, in three days. And they're thinking, oh, this temple has stones that hundreds of men had to carve and carry to build this place. You destroyed something that took 46 years to build, but they lost the focus. They should have realized what was actually happening there. Think about it this way. Jesus is in the temple. Isn't that what worship was supposed to be focused on? And for the first time now in his active ministry after he was baptized and said, this is the one my anointed is in the center of the temple and people were upset. That just goes against what everything is in worship, right? They should have been rejoicing that finally God sent the one. Everything was pointing to him, but they said, prove yourself. And Jesus said, I would. I would. In three days, when I come back here in a few years, there is going to be a temple destroyed. It is the temple of my body, and I will, I will rebuild it, and then all will be made right. The final sacrifice will be made. Well, for us today, it's easy to look back then and say, good grief, did they lose focus? Thank goodness we don't, right? Thank goodness we worship the way that God wants us to worship. We give of our time. We build a place like this. We've got our heart in the right place. But let me ask you this. If you could design worship the way you want it to be, what would that worship look like? I'll start with me. How about as a pastor? What would it look like? Maybe we could just cut it down to one service a week, maybe cram it all into a half an hour, and maybe I only have to preach for about eight minutes, and I could say whatever I wanted to say. I didn't have to say stuff that was tough and hard, that poked hearts, and everyone could just smile and pat me on the back and say, we love you, pastor, because you always say the good stuff. You teach me how to live. You show me that, that I've checked off the list. It's all good. I don't know. How would you design worship? Would you, would you change the music? Would you change the style? Would you change the time? Would you change what you could do here and how much what you had to commit to? What would you change? Would the music be better? Would the pastors be better? Would the space be better? Would it be more convenient? Because here's the, here's the problem with this. We can do a lot of things differently, but that's always a slippery, a slippery slope. Just, just take for, let's, let's just worshiping online. We, we do that. I, I did that. We have to do that. Some because of COVID, we need to, but, but that can be a slippery slope too because all of a sudden it becomes convenient. And it's not wrong to worship online in any way, shape, or form, but what happens is, and it happened even in my family, as we were all of a sudden by week three, we're showing up with hair sticking up and pajama pants on, and it's on a laptop in the middle of the counter, and, and all of a sudden we're doing worship, but are we engaged in worship? It can happen so quickly where all of a sudden we're petting puppies and drinking coffee and this becomes everything we want to give to God and it's this way and we have to ask questions and, and our offerings can be so quick. It can be, we can set it up and have it all directly taken out and that is good. It keeps us focused and prioritized. But when things are so convenient, 
what happens? We don't think through. I've been blessed by God this week and this month, but everything's already taken care of. I've already given my offering. We come and give an hour each week, but we look at our watch before the service is done, and then as soon as we leave here, we're out, and we don't really have to check back in because worship becomes convenient. That's what happens, isn't it? It's just this slippery slope. These, these aren't evil things. Good music, good preaching, a good space, regular offerings are all good things, but you know what? None of these things save you. None of these things put you in heaven because these are all things that we do in worship, and these are the things we think will engage us and make it worth our time and keep us interested. But it's not what worship is about. You know what worship is about? It's what's happening right here. Jesus is at the center of it. It's about God giving his good gifts. It's about Jesus coming to be the sacrifice that would be made not on that altar just a few feet away here in this physical temple. All those animals that were sacrificed and the blood that was brought all so that God would not look down and just destroy the earth and instead God could smile upon it. He could hear and smell the prayers rising up to him as incense this is what Jesus came to do, but a few years later, it wouldn't be in the temple. It would be just outside of Jerusalem on a really crude altar called a cross. And there God would accept the sacrifice of the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And at that moment, everything was made right. The real sacrifice was finally given. All those Old Testament pictures of sacrifice were completed in Christ. The temple curtain was torn and now all the sacrifices that are made need to focus on Christ and his work completed. And how can we do this? Well, you have to let the heart of the gospel be the heart of why and what you worship. And, and maybe we can synthesize it this way. Imagine if Jesus standing in the temple that day looking around at all those people that were mad at him for interrupting worship as, as they saw it we're not going to be able to be saved. In fact, Jesus saw as he looked behind and he looked ahead that there were only person that he could save if he came down to this earth from Adam and Eve until the last person breathes was you. You were the only soul that could be rescued. Would Jesus still make the trip down here, live the life, die the death on the cross, be punished for the world's sins so he could just save you? Yes. The answer is yes. Jesus would. And Jesus did. He personalized it and says, I, I love you. I died for you because I want to make everything that is wrong in you right. And it needed to be a sacrifice. And so I became that sacrifice. And now everything that is in you is right with God because you see, Jesus didn't come to clean up a building. He came to clean hearts. And sometimes he has to get a cord and make a whip and drive out the things that are getting in the way of what worship is. And it's so easy in our culture because we are so user-friendly and we are so me-focused and we can become so convenient. And when you look at what Jesus did to carry out the plan of salvation, it was work and it was focus and it was sacrifice. And now Jesus, who has cleaned your heart and occupies it as his throne room, as the Holy Spirit now makes you the temple of God, what is going to come out of that heart? Focus and work and sacrifice. Not because we have to, but we can't help it. God has done everything. God has given us 
a future. And it's guaranteed. And it isn't interrupted even by death. That no longer even has a hold on us. We do nothing but live and then live and then live forever. That's what we have in Christ. And how does a heart react to that? It becomes the temple of God, a living sacrifice to him. So what does that look like in life? Well, when, when there is a need, is not our hand the hand of God that is the first to go and act? When someone is, is hurting and alone or sad, and it comes at the sacrifice of time and maybe even some comfort, because those situations can be awkward, does not our heart move to say, I want to be the voice of God? I want to be the heart of Jesus Christ to go where there are needs. When, when there are needs both financial and with talents, and when people are asked to, to be volunteers to serve in this kingdom that God is even bringing to fruition through us, do we not look at the resources and the talents that God gives to us and say, how can I not use these, these talents given by God, shined up by him to serve in his kingdom? It's the first thing we do. We, we can't help it. And we come here to worship because this is where we're reminded of baptism, where God wraps us in righteousness, where he sees us as he has made us, where we come and receive forgiveness in a meal that takes us back to the cross and promises us life forever in heaven. This is what worship is, right? This is where God comes. This is where God impacts hearts. The best worship is the worship that focuses on Christ and when we focused on Christ, we see that worship starts with everything that God gives. And God gives to us of his riches so that we may enjoy the riches that we have in him. And so, what do we do now as we worship him? We raise our voices in song. We, we pray to him. We rejoice in the forgiveness that is ours. We receive his blessing. And then we go and we live because that's when the sacrifices now in life can go out into our lives and into our world. And as we do worship God with our lives, Jesus will bless us. And he says today, as he cleansed his temple back then, as he has cleansed your heart to be his temple today, go now and be the temple of God. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God that reigns in our heart which has been brought to us through the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus Christ. Help us to see the best worship is focused on Christ.